the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Everything might not be perfect in your life, but this is the day that the Lord has made, and we need to be thankful and rejoiceful. You know what? Somebody didn't wake up this week. I know that for a fact, because it happened in my family. But here you are, with breath and life and the activity of your limbs. Let everything that has breath stand up and praise ye the Lord. Praise him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his family. We welcome all of you, our members and our guests on this day, this beautiful day to come and worship. If you're worshiping with us for the very first time, then we are delighted because we know that you could have gone to any other church. If you're on stream or in person, you could be watching elsewhere. You could be sitting elsewhere. We are grateful to God that you are right here with us today. So if you would, yes. Yes, Resurrection, welcome our guests. You can be seated, but you're going to have to get right back up when we baptize, right? <laughs> so we want our guests to text 830-689-8074. Put guest, G-U-E-S-T, let us know a little bit about yourself. Today is the first Sunday of the last month in 2023. December. 2023. This week has been marvelous. We've worshiped at the gospel concert. We've gotten through this. Everything that we heard over at New Creation, the cacophony of voices and praise, we ought to be hearing right here today as we move through this worship. And it starts, it starts with baptism. Now we're going to have communion at the end. We want you to be sure to stay for communion. But right now, the pool lights are lit. And there's water in the pool. And we have two candidates for baptism. That means that we are lifting Christ and men, women, boys and girls are still coming to be saved.
touch this needs to her. 15 years old and she knows that she's in the right place doing the right thing. To God our Father, to Jesus Christ who is the head of the church and based on your profession of faith, we baptize you now in the adults in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. May God give you fluidity of speech and clarity of mind as you give what God has given to you. Our anointed magnification ministry is right here. They're ready. You see, they're re ready. They're ready. We have come this morning to lift up the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you dare sit down. Don't you dare sit down. We're going to start this praise and worship off. Hallelujah. Well, you can sit down if you want. Hallelujah. But God is too great and he is too good. Hallelujah. When he said last week in the sermon, thank you, God, for nothing. Let me tell you something. Thank you, God, for nothing. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for nothing. Thank you, God, for nothing. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, let's celebrate God this morning. 
worship. So this is when we give it up to the King of Kings. This is when we give it up. Come on, just open your mouth and speak well of him. Open your mouth and tell him how much you love him. Tell him how good he's been to you. We made it to the end of the year and we're still and we magnify you guys. Yes, Lord. He deserves all of our praise.
Hallelujah to your name. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your presence in this place, an opportunity to come together in worship. Thank you, God. It wasn't long ago that we had to worship outside of our facilities, but we're back in the house, and we pray right now that you would have your way. Speak, Lord to our hearts, our souls, our spirit. Speak in a way that we won't be the same. In Jesus' name, anoint us for the preaching of your word. Bless your people, let them be edified. Bless your name, let it be glorified. Bless your word, let it be magnified. Let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our strength. In Jesus, name, in Jesus' name, we do pray. Our Redeemer, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on and give God one big, great, big hand clap again. Let's um, celebrate our baptismal candidates as they went down in the water. Amen. The Lord is still saving. Amen. How many people did we have to get baptized this year? We had over 300 people to join our church this year. Come on and give God praise. You, you can give God praise for that. Okay, let me say it again. The average church in America, in all America, is less than 100. We had 300 new people to join Resurrection this year. You could make more noise than that, can't you? Amen. And we still got three more weeks. We still got three more weeks. And I just believe that there's going to be some numbers added to that today. Amen. With your prayers. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, what you waiting on? What you waiting on? Amen. Tell, him, tell your neighbor, I've seen you around here before. Amen. Look at him and say, I don't even know what you're waiting on. Amen. So I'm from the old school. I'm from the old school. That's why I sing those old songs. I, I love the new stuff, but I, I only can still play. I, I used to play. I taught my brother 
and he handed it on to my son, and they know everything they know they got from me. And, um, and I used to play for my dad. He used to be the minister of music, so I know the, the old hymns and stuff like that. There was a song that they used to sing, In Times Like These. You know, I could pull out some more stuff, but you know. And then they would say, be very sure that your anchor holds. You, you don't know nothing about that, do you? And grips the solid rock. And then, and then the chorus goes, this rock is Jesus. Oh, y'all don't know that. Stop it. Stop it. So, so, so I said that to say this. <laughs> this is a good day to grip the solid rock. Amen. 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 I, y'all do know I'll be holding back when I get up here because I could, I could have, amen. I, the church I grew up in, it was three hours to four hours long. Amen. And that was the first service. You go home, eat, then you come back. <laughs> and I still didn't get my book report out for the, you know, I'm, amen, 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 amen. Good to see each and every one of you. This is the day the Lord has made. What a great day to be alive as we celebrate this season of Advent a season of expectation and anticipation as we look forward to Christmas. In fact, we're going to begin a new series of messages entitled Christmas Unwrapped. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be taking a look at a number of people in Scripture, how the first Christmas event unfolded for them long ago. And so right now, I want you to travel with me to the textual territory that is Matthew chapter 12, chapter 2, I'm sorry. And we want to read the first 12 verses. I'm going to read it from the NLT, the New Living Translation. And I like how it reads. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that same time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. And King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as everyone in Jerusalem, and he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return 
to Herod. This is the word of God for the people of God. All praise be to God. We want to tag this text today with this title, The Journey Towards Christmas. You may be seated. What journey will you take this Christmas? Many of you are already preparing this season for a holiday journey in just a few days. Many of you will be leaving the city, going to visit family and friends. You're planning a journey to see elderly parents, perhaps siblings, children, grandchildren, family, friends. What journey will you take this Christmas? Not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Because the cadre of characters at the center of our text were on a Christmas journey as well. Having missed the Christmas event, they were determined not to miss the Christmas experience. And so they set out from Persia, traveled about 900 miles, following the words of rumored prophecy and a flickering star to find the child born king. For some, this journey towards Christmas was commonplace. For others, it was a curse. And for some, it was a contagious celebration. What does this journey represent for you? Because this journey towards Christmas for some is commonplace. It's just a customary holiday at a conventional time with no special meaning, importance, or impact to what I do every year. Trim the trees, post my list on Amazon, plan a party, access the American Express, max out the MasterCard, wrap, ship, throw a few lights on the window on the house, pull out my tacky Christmas sweater, drink a little eggnog, keep looking straight. Eat a little fruitcake. It's all rather commonplace. The journey towards Christmas for some is commonplace, but for others, Christmas is a curse. Did you know that during the season of the year, this season of the year, psychiatric treatment, suicide, violence, and homicide are higher than during any other season? Survey has been conducted asking people, what do you look forward to Christmas? And some said, yes, I look forward to it. But a huge swath of the sample reported that they look forward to the season with a sense of dread. You might be surprised that a number of people for whom the journey towards Christmas is not joy and delight, but fear and fright, suicide and depression, hopelessness and despair. Christmas for them is a curse. Christmas time is a time of joy that they've not known, a time of love that they've not felt, of goodwill that they've not been given or hope that they've not experienced. Far too many Christians, for them, far too many people, Christmas is a reminder of what they could be and should be, but what they are not. Everybody's different. Everybody doesn't imagine the journey to Christmas the same way. Some... For some, it's commonplace. For some, it's a curse. But then for others, it's a contagious celebration. All of these perspectives were 
present. Can you imagine during the first Christmas season, all three of these, the chief priests and the scribes viewed the first Christmas as commonplace. Herod, the king, was hostile, but he saw it as a curse. But the Magi claimed this season as a cause for celebration. Can I teach it while I preach it? Because all Jewish priests were the priestly tribe from the priestly tribe of Levi, descendants of Aaron, the brother of Moses. The priests, like Magi, possessed considerable political, economic, and religious clout. Stay with me. First among the chief priests was the high priest. According to Old Testament law, there, has, there was to be only one high priest at a time. And yet by the first Christmas, that office was dated by this time by political favoritism. Almost sound like our politics, didn't it? High priests presided over the Sanhedrin, a type of combined Senate and Supreme Court comprised of 70 key Hebrew leaders. Ranking second to the chief priest was the captain of the temple who was appointed and responsible to the high priest. Among his powers were those to arrest and imprison. And together with the temple treasurer, they had become little more. These three formed the temple aristocracy. And by the time of Jesus, they had become little more than a cluster of corrupt religiously oriented politicians. What that sounds like today. They were in the temple, but they were opposed to the work of the temple. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I said. So I'm gonna hang out just a minute because even at Christmas time, I need to remind you that not everybody in the church is really for the purpose of the church. <laughs> Keep pushing preacher. Okay, here I go. Cause listen, these chief priests were unmoved by the work of God that had unfolded in the barn on the backside of Bethlehem. Because that child in that cradle, in that corner of that city did not fit their model, their expectation, and their agenda. They were seeking a sovereign and God sent a savior. Can I get a witness? They wanted political empowerment and enfranchisement, but God provided the vehicle of spiritual transformation and radical social change. And for them, the journey to Christmas was just commonplace. Can I go a little bit further? Because here's Herod. For him, Christmas was a curse. Herod was preoccupied with power, pensive about his possessions, possessive about his prestige, and provoked by paranoia, and I had some other peas in my head, but I couldn't get them right now. Uh, but like so many before and since him, Herod was hostile to the notion of a baby born king. But even the hatred of Herod, watch this, offered indirect testimony to the true identity of this unique and extraordinary child. Listen to me close, because Herod's devious scheme to discover and destroy this unknown child gave unintended testimony that Jesus was who the Magi believed that he was. Can I give you something for free? Because often your enemies fear, their fear of you is really a testimony about you and evidence that God is at work in you. I think I just said something. 
that every now and then you ought to listen to what your enemies say about you because if you don't know who you are, your enemies will tell you. You, you, you wouldn't be afraid. They, they wouldn't be afraid of you, y'all. Listen here when I say this. They would not be afraid of you if they didn't see something in you. They wouldn't be lying on you. They wouldn't be talking about you. They wouldn't be plotting against you. They wouldn't be scheming behind your back if they didn't know, if they didn't sense, if they didn't feel and believe that there was something unpredictably powerful unfolding in your life. Can I get a witness? Herod knew that he himself was a usurper to the throne on which he sat. That alone, y'all, will give you a sense of insecurity. As he ruled Judah and Jerusalem by the, the right of military dominance, he disliked and despised even the suggestion of a rival. He couldn't stand the fact that everything has an expiration date, that you're not going to be sitting where you're sitting forever. He had been appointed by his daddy. He had, his daddy managed to manipulate the election to set him over Palestine after years of fighting with Hebrew freedom fighters who were really trying to drive out foreign rulers out of their land. He was finally able to establish his kingdom but he was still sitting on top of a religious political power keg. Herod was troubled when he heard about the birth of Jesus, especially in light of his intense jealousy and paranoia. I need to park right here. I promise I'll keep the motor running because I got to remind somebody real quickly. I don't know who this is for, but jealous, narcissistic people are dangerous. Don't ever underestimate the power of jealousy. Y'all didn't hear that. You don't have to be stymied by it, but don't estimate it because when the Lord has blessed and favored you, you don't have to go around even talking about it. Just show up and people already know. Okay, look at your neighbor and just find somebody. Just look at him and say, I know you know that I'm blessed. I'm favored. I am chosen. I'm a survivor. I know you know that God has been good to me. God has opened doors for me. God has made a way for me. God has provided for me, protected me. He has plans for me. Go on and testify where you are and encourage somebody and say, get glad with me. Don't be mad with me. Come on, just tell them it ain't no secret what God can do. What is done for others. I'm sorry that Herod was troubled. He was troubled. But notice the text. Notice the text. It says, all in the city of Jerusalem was troubled with him. Now, now, now he was troubled, but the city was troubled. It said all the city was troubled with him. I love the Bible, y'all. Don't overlook that. Don't run because Jerusalem was troubled, y'all, because they knew that Herod's paranoia usually meant that something crazy and unpredictable is about to happen, like storming the Capitol or lying about voter fraud. I don't know, but they they knew. I'm sorry, I'm being messy. I'll be I, I'm honest. They knew this ain't going to be played on the radio. They're going to edit this part out. They knew <laughs> by bitter experience 
that Herod's agitation usually meant maniacal bloodshed. Anybody suspected of threatening his position of power was in considerable demonstrable danger. Herod was as cruel and merciless as he was jealous and suspicious because this is the man, y'all, who fearing potential threat had the high priest, Aristopolis, his wife's brother, drowned and then gave him a funeral and pretended to weep. This is the man who had his own wife killed along with her mother and two of his own sons. This is the man who barbarically slaughtered all the male children under two years old in Bethlehem in the hopes of eliminating any contenders for his throne. This looks like the Game of Thrones. Jerusalem was troubled not because of the baby born king, but because of a maniac who was already king. The journey to Christmas for some was commonplace, for others it was a curse, but still, here is the priest part right here, there's a cause for contagious celebration because some people come to Christmas with joy, enthusiasm, excitement, and celebration, and I need to pause just for a second to let 120 of you to say, I'm in that crowd. I'm in the celebration crowd. It ain't a curse for me. It ain't commonplace for me. I get excited when I think about Christmas. And, and here's the reason why chapter 2 opens with the journey of the Magi who came to give gifts. These powerful Persian kingmakers had traveled a great distance over 900 miles to recognize and honor a king in whose coronation they had no part. And few biblical stories, y'all, are as well known yet so clouded by myth and tradition as that of the Magi mentioned in Matthew. Because there's a whole lot of different stories that are told about it. I grew up in plays that we had that contradicted really with something what the Bible said. But I was, I was one of the three wise men. Uh, but the true fact is we know little about them. According to Matthew 2 and 12, we're not told their number, although some people say it was three. We're not told their names. We don't know the means of transportation or the specific country or countries from which they arrived. Only that they arrived with a question, where is he who would be born king? And the text suggests that they went around the whole city asking people, whomever they met, asking it over and over. Uh, the, the text suggests that they kept asking, and as foreigners, they assumed that somebody in town was aware of this monumental birth. Somebody in church noted there's a church called Resurrection. Somebody in the San Antonio area, but few seemed to know what they were talking about. But can I help you here? Not everybody hanging around in holy places is engaged in holy things. These, palace, these travelers had come to Palestine with one purpose, and that was to find the one born king of the Jews and to celebrate him in worship. To celebrate him in worship. I'm about to mess with somebody real quickly. To celebrate him. In, can, can I put a pin right there? Celebration is what worship is all about. You, you, you really want to worship? You got to learn how to celebrate. I, I ain't telling you everybody got to celebrate the same way, but there ought to be some kind of celebration. I, 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 
can't predict your response when you come. Uh, but when I think as Max Lucado declared that God, who is greater than death and older than time, decided to come near humanity, it makes me want to worship. That when, when, when I remember that it, he was majesty close in the mundane, he, that he's divinity encased in dust, it makes me want to worship. When I think about the goodness of Jesus in all he's done for me it makes me want to worship are there any worshipers in the house today you, you can always tell the heart of a worshiper because while many people look gratefully towards God because of circumstances those with a heart of a worship thank God and trust God and praise God despite the circumstances nothing has changed but I'm a blessed the Lord at all times I'm still hurting but I'm still gonna hope in the Lord I'm still waiting and I'm still wondering but it ain't gonna hinder my worship I got bills on top of bills but I feel like I want to worship I'm, I got a lot of unanswered questions and some unresolved issues and some unhealed hurts but I, I I'm gonna worship 2023 didn't start out the way I thought it was gonna start out and it ain't even ending up the way but I'm still gonna worship uh, others have given up and given out and given over but I'm going to worship the odds are against me but I, I'm going to worship I didn't pass the test I studied hard but I'm still going to worship my money still funny my change is still strange my checks are a complete wreck but I'm still going to worship I go to cash app and the app ain't even working but I'm still going to worship my, my car is broke down and the relationship is on the rocks but I, I'm still going to worship people with a heart of worship don't need instruments they, they don't need no ecclesiastical majorettes they don't need spiritual gymnastics to, or any people to turn flips in order to get them to worship at the slightest mention of his name all you gotta do is just say his name hey just holler his name these magi were on a journey to worship the baby born king. And so they sidestepped the scribes who were indifferent to Christ, the Christ child. They, and, and I might as well tell you, I gotta put another pause right here. Sometimes you're gonna have to sidestep anyone and anything that will interfere with your worship. You, you, you do know worship ought to be in spirit and in truth. And, I don't know, somebody probably had to sidestep some stuff before you got to church today. Maybe you had a child that was about to get your nerves all riled up. Uh, somebody tried to run you off the freeway. I don't know what it was, but you got to sidestep. Periodically, you got to post on the wall of your life experience for everybody in proximity to you the proclamation that you can't stop my praise. You can't block my blessing because you don't know my story. After all the things God has done for me, after all the things I've been through, my worship is for real. I can't speak for you, but this ain't fake. This ain't phony. I've been through too much not to worship him. Is there anybody who can shout? I'm sorry. I got to get back to this sermon. These Magi, the Magi, refused to be deterred by, by demonic 
distractions. Say distractions. They were not going to be deterred by demonic distractions. Because just like Herod, friends, hear me when I say this, there will always be people around worship who pretend to worship, but don't show up for worship. You, you, you can't trust every, I'm sorry, I, I love my church. I couldn't wait to get back to resurrection, but you can't trust everybody who came to worship. Because they may come to worship, but they didn't show up for worship. And, some people pretend to worship. Herod pretended to want to worship. Keep looking straight. Keep looking straight. I'm, stay with me. Stay with me. He said, go find the baby. And when you find him, bring me word on where he is so I can come and worship him. Now, as king, he could have found the baby if he really wanted to. But the truth is he was nothing more than a demonic distraction. He was not interested in worshiping the baby. And you know, a lot of people talking to you are really just distracting you. Some of y'all would join church. Some of y'all would be tithing right now. Ooh, that's, that's for free. But it sounds too good to hear somebody tell you, you ain't got to do all that. That's a demonic distraction. They, you being robbed from your blessing. You being deterred from where God wants. He's trying to take you to the next level, but you got somebody in your head. You got a demonic distraction. Yeah, just got quiet. Where all that shouting go? He being no, I ain't being messy now. I'm being biblical right now. Because hear me, there are all kind of demonic distractions. I know he's six foot two, but he's just a distraction. I, I know she's fine as wine in the summertime, but she's just a distraction. I, I, I know it's a 50% off sale, but it's really just a distraction. I, I know your voicemail is full and I know your cell phone is ringing and your DM is blowing up, but it's a distraction demonically designed to detour you so that you will not reach the divine destiny God has for you. And that's why when it comes to worship, you got to come with your mind made up. You got to be determined that I don't care who's looking at me. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. I don't care who they came with. I don't care who they dating. I don't care who they sitting with. I don't care what they wearing I came to worship I, I don't care if that don't match and I don't care if that look like she got it on sale I, I don't care if I got I came to worship I ain't letting nothing distract me for worship is there anybody here who came to worship today did you come to worship it's a celebration for some for some, for some, the journey to Christmas is commonplace. For others, it's a curse. And for others, it's a contagious celebration. And here's the question, what journey will you take this year? The Magi, the Magi came to my house last night and they talked to me for a minute. And they said, if you wanna help them to join the journey of joy, as they move toward Christmas, here's what you got to tell them, Ray. I said, what is it? They said, tell them, first of all, they got to look for the right one. Look at your neighbor and say, look for the right one. Everything I said previously was to get you to the first point. <coughs> look for the right one. 
look at somebody and say, I'm looking for Jesus. Because the text says at about the time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, they asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? They came from Jerusalem following a light from above. They recognized that God was at work in the world surrounding them. That God was already at work. And I just need to put a pin and tell you right now, God is already at work in the world. <clears throat> Don't get anxiety and stressed out by what you see in the news. He is not an absentee landlord. He, he ain't just getting at work just because you just, God has already been at work. He's already, he's already at work. They came to Jerusalem following a light from above to find out that God is already at work. God is always at work around us. God is always pursuing a relationship with us. God is always speaking to us. And God's revelation is our invitation to join God in what God is doing in the world. Did you hear what I said? Don't miss this because they didn't even have all the facts. They started on a journey and they just had enough light that they knew they needed to search. Boy, y'all need to get that. Just enough light, just enough. That, that, that's a sermon right there. Just, God calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes following God means that he was, he, he's not going to give you the whole picture. He's just going to give you enough. That as we follow God, we may not always discern all the details, but that's why we've got to trust what we can't trace. These magi were led by a light from above, and as they observed the sky, y'all, their attention was drawn to this one particular star in the east. And please hear me when I say this, because the teaching of this text is that God often gives us just enough light to encourage us to search for more. You know what's dangerous? You know what's dangerous about getting a good word? A good word is sometimes you think you got everything you need. And now you run off and try to tell everybody you some holier than thou Christian. You, you've been to one class and now you are, you a preacher. You, you a bishop. You, you've been anointed. And you know, we, we get titles and we cloak ourselves and all this. I wish I had some help here. You've been to a couple of seminars and you can speak some spiritual language. And now you, you, no, that's not what Christian maturity is. God has given you just enough light so that you can follow the light and get more. Somebody ought to just shout to your name and say, I need more. I, I've got some, but I'm still trying to get more. Y'all, I've been pastoring for 33 years. I'm still trying to get more. Is there anybody here that wants more? If God woke you up this morning, it means that he wants you to get some more. And so the question is this, can you move on what you see right now? Because during that first Christmas season, they did not come looking for Herod. They didn't come looking for the scribes, the Pharisees or the Sadducees. They only wanted to see the baby born king. 
through, though they had limited spiritual light, they immediately recognized God's light when it shined on them and they sought and they found. That's the basis of the promise of the prophet in Jeremiah 29 and 13 when he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. If you want to join their journey, look for the right one. Can I give you one more? Follow the right instructions. Okay, here's verse 7. Verse 7, here it is right here. Then Herod sent a private message to the wise men. He, he, he wanted to have a private interview. He put everybody out and asked them to come see him. And at this meeting, he learned the time. And when they first saw him, they said, well, listen, go on back and search for the child. And when you get there, go on, come back and tell me so I can worship him too. And there's a subtle truth in that verse right there because even worshipers sometimes wander. Okay, this is for, I'm trying, yeah, I, I took a pause right there so somebody can get that. Let me say it again. Sometimes worshipers, real worshipers, have a tendency to wander. Okay, you, still, you still didn't get it. See? They wanted to worship but they were lost. Okay, y'all, yeah. Every Christmas we go through this, so let me. They didn't know where Jesus was. And that's why they had to ask. And I, and I, know, I know, and I know many of us don't want to admit it, especially since we, we, we are surrounded by saints who are super saved. Filled with the Holy Ghost got our WWJD bracelet with our 10-inch cross hanging around our neck. That's why you got pain, you know, you got neck problems because the cross you wear is so heavy. Even Jesus couldn't have carried that one up Calvary, I mean. But, but for all the honest folk who are in here today that are honest enough to admit that since you got saved, since you met the Lord, since, since you've been baptized and since you've joined the church, since you began to give God praise, you, of all the honest folk, uh, you know that even since all of that, you still get off track every now and then. I'm putting this out there for all the honest folk just to make some noise. See, see none of us are that saved where somebody might run you off the road, even on your way to church, where you trying to read them a hymnal. Huh? Jesus, keep me near the cross. If the truth be told, I'm just talking to honest folk, you still have some ways that are not in God's will. You still have some habits that are not holy and some days that are not delightful and some thoughts that have not been transformed and some steps that are not spiritual. Are there any honest worshipers in the house today? Go on, go on, look at somebody and say, you can sit right there, but I'm standing up. I'm an honest worshiper. I'll stand up for me and you because I've seen you. I, I, <laughs> I was in line when you cussed that cashier out. I, <laughs> ah, I didn't mean to come back like this. I'm sorry. I... Sit down. <laughs> I 
the worshipers, not the heathens, the, the worshipers have a tendency to wander. And these worshipers still wandered, but look what happened because although Herod's intentions, y'all, were nefarious, God still used him. Are you hearing me? And his resources to give them instructions on how to locate the Christ child. Listen, if your heart is right towards God, God will take what the enemy intended to harm you and use it to help you. God will take the enemy's plots and transform into eternal purpose and everlasting power. God can take what the enemy has set up and use it to lift you up. So I dare you right now to put your trust in God. Is there anybody here that's trusting in God? I know you've heard this story before, but I'm gonna share it again real quickly because I think it'll bless you. Uh, uh, it's about an old woman who had fell on hard times every day she would walk out on her front porch and she would just throw up her hands and shout, praise God. Her neighbor was a non-believer. Her neighbor did not share her enthusiasm. In fact, it got on his nerves. Like that person next to you that won't sit down. <laughs> sit down. But she wouldn't stop. Things became more desperate for her and she ran out of groceries, she ran out of money. But every day her pattern of praise was unbroken. She continued to walk out on that porch and throw up her hands and shout, praise the, the Lord, pray, praise God. Finally, her neighbor asked, what are you doing? She said, I'm out of groceries, I'm out of money but I'm thanking God because I be, I'm believing God that I'm about to receive the groceries and the money. My neighbor said, here we go. I got her now. I don't have to shout, share her enthusiasm because I'm about to disprove all of this. And so he went to the supermarket and bought seven bags of groceries. While she was in the house, he knocked on the door and then ran off the porch, ran away. She opened the door, saw all those groceries. Immediately, she began to praise God for that manifestation, shouting, thank you, God. Thank you for blessing me with these groceries. At that moment, the neighbor just walked up there and said, ah, he was just mad, stepped up there out of the bushes and said, God didn't buy you these groceries. I did. And that old lady began to shout even louder. He said, what you shouting about now? He said, I'm shouting because not only did the Lord get me the groceries, but the Lord made the devil pay for them. <laughs> if your heart is right towards God, God can take what the enemy intended to harm you and use it to help you. Won't he do it? If you, I've got to move on, uh, but if you want to share in this journey towards Christmas this year, you've got to look 
for the right one, follow the right instructions. But then here it is, move at the right time. Move at the right time. Verse 10, the message translation says, they could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place and they arrived at the right time. I need only 75 of y'all just to find somebody and look at them and say, you're in the right place at the right time. Come on, come on. Look, find somebody you don't know. Find somebody you don't know and say, I've been seeing you and I've been looking at you, but I just want you to know, be encouraged. You're in the right place. And hear me when I say this, y'all. I'm very serious. I'm, I'm serious. I don't believe God allows things, especially those who have a heart towards God, to happen by accident. It was meant for you to hear this word. You are right where you need to be. What you need is right here. Can I tell you, I believe this is from the Lord. Your breakthrough is here. Your miracle is here. Your deliverance is here. Your instruction is here. Your correction is here. Your inspiration is here. Your motivation is here. Your determination is right here. There is no deficit of benefits. We are living in a surplus of supernatural blessings, but we've got to move at the right time. We have what we need. And listen, not only do we have what we need, but we've got more than we need. We have what we need and more. We have what we prayed for and more. We have what you've been looking for and more. Words can't explain it. No theory can contain it. No rules can restrict it. No theory can contain it. No adversary can defeat it. No enemy can overthrow it. No problems can depress it. No troubles can take it. No pressure can eradicate it. No power can destroy it because it comes from God and what God does can't nobody undo. God opens doors that nobody can close and God closes doors that nobody can open. God is saying to you and saying to me, move now. Now is the time of opportunity. Now is the time for deliverance. Now is the time for salvation. The day you hear my voice, it's in his word. He says, harden not your heart. Today is the day to be alive. Today is the day. Listen, what a day to be alive. What a day it is to celebrate the goodness of God, the glory of God. Praise God because he's worthy to be praised. Bless his holy name because he brought you from a mighty long way. You've got to move now. Move at the right time. Come here, Spike Lee. Here's another one. You got to do the right thing. Do the right thing. They said, we've seen a star in the east. We've come to worship him and worship when it's all said and done is a celebration you can't have an attitude in worship worship will straighten your attitude out you got a spouse at home that you haven't just to bring him to church Let, watch him wrestle all through the whole worship service they said we've seen his star in the east we, and we've come to worship him Worship is not, as much as I love our praise team, it's not about songs. As much as I love to preach, worship ain't just about preaching. Worship is about celebrating God. 
Every time you come here, you, you, your focus needs to be on him. It's, it's not about you. It's not about what I get out of it. It's about what I give to it. When you leave here, you ought to think about how much did I give God today? You, you ought to be waiting and, and, and anticipating uh, Monday, Tuesday. I can't wait till Sunday comes so I can give God my best praise. And in worship, the text says they gave of themselves and they gave of what they had. Verse 11 says they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts were providential and purposeful. They weren't just, just random gifts. Gold pointed to his majesty. Frankincense pointed to his deity. And myrrh pointed to his humanity. They did the right thing. They gave what they have. Listen, can I tell you real quickly, church? You can't beat God giving. No matter how hard you try. And I got to say to those who've come to this church in the last five to ten years, there were people who came before you who helped us get to where we are right now. And don't allow the enemy to let you rest upon what they did. You've come here and you've got a responsibility to take this church to the next level. They gave of themselves and God is allowing a new generation to pop up. What are you going to do about it? This ain't even in the sermon. This is for free. They gave of themselves. You can't beat God giving no matter how hard you... Can I get any witnesses here? God is a God, y'all, of surplus. Rich supplies. Overflowing mountains, overrunning gulfs, overloaded blessings, overwhelming mercies. The Lord is blessing you right now. You ought to just tell somebody, yes, he is. I dare you to look somebody in the eye and say, I believe and I know that God is blessing me. I dare you to believe it. I, be I dare you to live it. Today is a good day for you to trust God, for you to try God. If you don't have a church, it's a good day to join church. It's a good day to get baptized. It's a good day to hold on to hope. It's a good day to live in faith. It's a good day to walk in faith. It's a good day to forgive your enemies. You ain't got to wait till the beginning of the year or the end of this year. You ought to let some stuff go right now. Somebody still hold on to something that somebody did to you in January. We all the way in December. You still hurt. Did I say January? Yes, January of 1975. You still holding on to some stuff. My young people stood up and say, ooh, that's a long time ago, isn't it? <laughs> Step past stupidity. If I forgive you, that ain't for you, that's for me. I gotta forgive you so I can move on. I, I ain't trying to get caught up in trying to hate on you. That's too much work. I got to watch you prosper. I got to watch you get blessed. I'm hating on you. I'm mad at you. Listen, if God blesses you, that's you and God's business. But I'm, and you hurt me and God's still blessing you. That's God's grace. 
because I'm sure I hurt some people too. And don't you think that you ain't hurt somebody. Some, oh, I wish I had some help here. You've made some mistakes. The Bible says if you want forgiveness, give forgiveness. That's a whole nother sermon. I'm sorry. But do the right thing. Regardless of circumstances. I'm through. I'm through. If, 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 if you, if you want to find joy on your journey to Christmas, look for the right one. Follow the right instructions. Move at the right time. Do the right thing. And then you'll return the right way. Ooh, I... I these wise men discounted the emptiness of Herod's words. They were on a journey and they were not going to be sidetracked. God led them away from the trap that was set for them and they went a different way than what they came. And that's all I came to say. In fact, it says right here, drop the mic right here. But since I'm a Baptist preacher, I got to pick it back up. <laughs> because when you see Christ, when you find Christ, when you worship Christ, when you praise Christ, you will never go back the same way you came. Can I get any witnesses? Somebody can say right now, I left sick. But I'm going back well. I felt bitter. But I'm going back better. I left hurt. But I'm going back healed. I left discouraged. But I'm going back encouraged. I left confused. But I'm going back clear. I left sinking. But I'm going back sailing. I left blind, but I'm going back seeing. I left on my way out, but I'm going back on my way in. I left going down, but I'm going back going up. I left ready to quit, but I'm going back ready to stay. I left almost destroyed, but I'm going back delivered. I left traumatized, but I'm going back put together. I left wounded, but I'm going back mended. I left broken, but I'm going back blessed. Three people right now ought to testify. I'm going back the right way. I left in a valley, but I'm going back on the wings of eagles I left falling apart but I'm going back held together is there anybody listening to me who can declare that you're going back the right away oh you ought to praise God you ought to praise the name of Jesus I love the name Jesus Jesus Oh, what a wonderful child. New light, new light to all it brings. Listen to the angels sing. Glory.
God is delivered, it demands a response. Perhaps there is someone here in the sanctuary or online who needs and wants a relationship with Jesus Christ. Giving your life to Christ is really simple as ABC. A, admit that you need God and without Him, you're lost in sin. B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for our sins. And C, confess that Jesus is Lord and one day he's coming back for us and you want him in your life. If you've made that confession and decided to accept Christ, we invite you to take your phone out and text JOIN to 830-689-8074 and then we'll connect with you immediately and we'll tell you how to become a part of the family of God. If that's you and you sent that text, we welcome you to the Resurrection family. Before we go, we once again want to thank you for your continued support of this ministry. You can give today electronically through PushPay by texting RBC1 to 77977 and follow the instructions. You can also mail in or drop off your offering at our shirts location. We thank you for joining us today. We pray that you have a blessed week. May God keep you and bless you is our prayer. We look forward to seeing you right back here next week.